Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 9, the fifth paragraph, which begins with, I was aghast. Today's readers are Rocky E., reading the 12 steps. Stacey T, reading the 12 traditions, and Terry H, and Lynn S, reading the text. The reference number for Tuesday, December 1st, is 8236. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rocky E. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, Rocky. Can you hear me? Now we do, yes, Rocky. Okay, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Um, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and been willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, after prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps to try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Rocky E. I will now ask Stacy T. to read the Twelve Traditions. 
Good morning. It's Stacey T. calling from Cleveland. Thank you so much for your service. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on, depends on AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, AA should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, AA has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you for your service, Stacey T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page nine, paragraph five, which begins with, I want a gap. We will read three paragraphs ending on page 10 with, I had to be, or I was hopeless. The first of the three paragraphs will be read in context. And we ask that we focus our comments on the second and third paragraph. I will ask Harry H. to be reading. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Harry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot, now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that scary-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. 
besides my gym would last longer than his preaching. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. It has come to pass his, he has come to pass his experience along to me. If I care to have it, I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. And so here we are. Um, you know, Ebby every, every wasn't trying to, you know, save the world. He was just, he was just there to sh- um, show how, uh, you know, show Bill how he saved himself. And when Ebby worked it, it worked. And, you know, Bill was able to see that, you know, the results was evidence and that the results spoke for themselves. Um, so this book, you know, the book is going to tell me you know, it's going to lay out the spiritual path to recovery, um, you know, the program of action, and it's going to enable me to develop this, you know, my own experience so that I can begin to rely on, on it working for me also. So I just want to focus in on where, it, you know, the second paragraph where it says they had told him a simple religious idea. So that's step two in a practical program of actions, which is step through, uh, steps three through 12. So now, you know, Bill sees that, you know, his best friend, his drinking buddy, you know, now two months two months has passed and, you know, um, every is recovered. And, um, you know, the other piece that I, I just want to kind of focus in on is, you know, the last paragraph where it says, certainly I was interested, I had to be, for I was hopeless. And, you know, for me, my own experience is, you know, the willingness uh, to begin this program really had to, had to be produced by my my own realization of my hopelessness. Um, and, you know, if anyone doesn't know what, you know, hopeless means, um, and how, how it was explained to me, you know, one who is hopeless is one who wants to stop but can't. And, um, you know, so, you know, that was what was asked to me, you know, can I stop on my own power? And, of course, I couldn't. So, you know, it brought me to this level of, I needed to do something different. So um, for me, I had tried everything, you know, on my own power, and really I had nowhere else to turn. So, you know, here, here, Abby is presenting the solution to Bill, and so Bill now has all three. You know, he he has he's got he knows his problem from Dr. Silkworth. He's got the solution, you know, from Abby, and he's got which is a simple religious idea from Ebby. And he also, you know, he has this practical program of action that Ebby's laying out for him. So now he has all three three things, and it's really up to Bill now if he's, you know, if he's going to make that decision to, um, you know, to go to step two. And, you know, he's kind of, he's in one and two right now. He's kind of, he knows he's taken one, but he's not sure about two. But as we read on, you know, um, Bill starts to open up. And all I have to say is where would I be today if, if I hadn't, if it hadn't been for that knock on the door. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Terry H. Who would like to share on the last two paragraphs that were just read? Kim This is Bella, can I share? I heard Kim G. And did I hear Julie R. R. Wait one second. I heard Bella and I heard AJ and then was it Rakepa? Yes. Okay, great. Anyone Tina else want to get on? Tina S. And then Tina S. I didn't catch that last name. Tina S. Isn't Sam? 
Tina S. Right, I did catch that. Okay, I thought maybe it was another person. Um, okay, let's start with Kim G. Julie, I didn't get last initials, but you can announce them when I call on you. Julie, Bella, AJ, Lecafet, and Tina S. I did get yours. Go ahead, Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overreader. This is getting exciting. Um, I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be because I was hopeless. You know, hopeless is a good place to be. You know, I think to myself, you know, so often I would come into a room of OA and they'd say, don't worry about it, sweetie, just get comfortable. You know, we'll love you till you love yourself. And we're so good in OA of actually loving people to death. You know, and this is a beautiful place that Bill is at. When you're hopeless, when you're desperate, that's when you're open to a solution. So it's exciting. You know, and I think about that, that, that saying that says, honesty without compassion is cruel. But compassion without honesty can kill. So that's what I look at. I look at the approach, specifically in working with others, about how they approach people. I'm just going to use the big book because that says it better than anything I can say. It's on page 92. It says, continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness of a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are loath to tell alcoholics the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. And that's what Bill was saying. Bill understood that Ebby was as hopeless as him. He understood that Ebby had no power within himself to do what he is witnessing. But he understood that if his friend could recover, so could he. That's the power of a meeting. That's the power of a, of a strong meeting of, Al- of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Overeaters Anonymous. And I just want to finish with also commenting on the idea that this, that was two months ago and the result was self-evident. So let's look at the time frame. Ebby has two months and he's recovered. Bill did the steps in nine days in Towns Hospital. Bob did the steps in 30 days. And let's look at the, at the spiritual experience. It says what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. So I just want to ask you guys, you who are hopeless on the line, you that are gnawing your teeth and scared to death because you're hearing the story and you are in the pits of that, of that quicksand, ask yourself, if you are hopeless, which are you doing? Are you working the steps so that you can recover in a few months, whatever that time, short time frame is? Or are you trying to practice years of self-discipline, which is what I did. For years, I tried to discipline myself to not to eat. And when I surrendered to this process because I knew I was hopeless, personally, just for me, I went through the steps in six weeks over five years ago, and I have lived free from not only the allergy, but specifically the mental obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Ju- Kim G. Julie R. You're next. Hi, thank you. This is Julie R. Recovered compulsive overeater in California. A couple of things that I want to talk about is the practical program of action. You know, it's not a mystery. We have this book that spells out exactly what we need to do, and if we do that, we're going to get this 
result of having a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience so that food is just fuel. And it's so exciting to be in this spot because I don't have to worry about wanting something. I don't have to battle anymore because I've gone through this practical program of action. You know, in in the next sentence is he had come to pass his experience, not opinions. You know, so many times, you know, we, we hear in meetings, people will give us their opinions on things. Well, no, I need to follow this program of action, this practical program of action that's in this book and hear your experience of working those steps and getting that result. But I, opinions are not part of our, our program of action. And, you know, the part about hopeless, yeah, that's the worst place to be, but it's the best place to be. If I am not hopeless, I am not going to surrender. And if I'm not going to surrender, that means that Julie is still in charge. And that's either going to manifest in certain behaviors that are not appropriate. It's going to be morbid obesity. It's going to be um, character defects that are going to be more active than not. So it's, yeah, hopeless was a great place to be, even though I thought it was going to kill me. But I was ready to surrender and to start working this program of action again. And now I have my experience that I can offer to newcomers, to my sponsees, not my opinions, because believe me, I have lots of them. And my opinions never really got me anywhere but in trouble. So for for me, it's like I have to take action every day. And this book tells me everything to do. I don't have to guess. I don't have to ad lib. And my result, what is it? That I don't have to rip the head off of the engineer yesterday in the meeting because I disagreed with him. Or I don't have to eat all the leftover food from our luncheon. Or I don't have to do inappropriate things. I don't have to spend money that um, I'm sneaking around with. So, no, today I will do what I did yesterday and I'll have the same results. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Julie R. Bella, you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, so excited. Um, a practical program of action, and for I was hopeless. Yes, only when I came to the place that I was hopeless, I didn't understand what's going on with me. You know, I knew that I am eating for a reason. But I couldn't figure it out what's the reason because all the time was a different reason. I was eating when I was happy. I was eating when I was angry. I was eating when I was excited. I was eating when I was disappointed. I was hopeless. I couldn't figure it out. And thank you, God, thank you, God, that from this stage, from being hopeless, I found a simple, a practical program of action. And yes, this is the 12 steps that they weren't a, a, a diet program. It's a practical way of living. Thank you, God, by, by 
living in the 12 steps. I learned to live. I learned to accept myself. I learned to understand myself. I learned to love myself. The, the, the food, the, the compulsive eating, it's only a behavior. And thank you, God, I learned to be connected to an accepting power that I am able to accept myself and not to be directed by my ego, by my controlling power that I don't have. And this is my practical action of living. I don't have to prove anymore who I am. I know, I know, and I, I, I am happy to be connected to a higher power, higher than myself. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. AJ, you're next. Hi, this is AJM from North Carolina, gratefully recovering from an eating disorder. Two things jumped out at me. One, he had that starry-eyed look. Well, I've seen it. I've seen it in people who are recovered, who are clean, and it's something that um, no amount of scrubbing of the face or makeup or anything else is going to reproduce. The cleanliness comes from within, and I've seen it, I know it when I see it, and I can only imagine what it was like for Bill to see um, that look on Ebby's face and in Ebby's eyes. Um, and then in the next paragraph, what really jumped out at me was persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. This was the mid-1930s, and from that time forward, courts of law have recognized the recovery that's possible from the 12 steps, and countless times have let convicted uh, criminals go after having wrecked their cars or, or had public drunkenness or whatever, have let them go into a 12-step program. This, is, this program has affected the law in this country, and that really caught my attention. That had to be very early on in this program, and two men had persuaded a judge not to send Abby to jail, but to suspend his uh, commitment and let him uh, let them take him and try to get him clean. And that's what we're doing for each other on these uh, in these meetings, whether it's face-to-face meeting or these meetings online. They have come to mean so much to me. The days that I can't start my day with a meeting, I have to go online and listen to one of the special editions because it's the only way that I can stay clean. And right now, I am clean. I'm looking. (laughs) I have that starry-eyed look. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for your service, Becca. And with that, I pass. Thank you, AJM. Rick Heffert. Rick Heffert, you're next. McCaffrey? 
unmute your phone. Okay, why don't we go to Tina S. and then we'll check on Rakefit. Good morning, uh, Tina S. from Florida. Uh, great stuff again. I say that every day, but it's exactly what it is today. Some great stuff. The more I've come. Tina from. S. It's a little bit difficult to hear you. Uh, can you hear me better now? I think so. Okay. Um, what a great couple paragraphs. Uh, you know, uh, he came to pass it along to Bill, and, um, you know, uh, would I have it? Certainly I would. You know, I, by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I had had decades of hopelessness and, you know, just existing, and, you know, I'd, I welcomed death. That didn't happen. I pray. I can remember praying every night not to wake up in the morning, and, you know, um what a gift this was. And one of the things that I love about Overeaters Anonymous is that this is a program of attraction, not promotion. You know, I was attracted to the people that were recovering. And I also know, and I say this just for me, that, you know, OA does not have a monopoly on God because for a long time I tried to, you know, uh, to spout this stuff to quite a few people that, you know, they were doing just fine without the program of Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, and I had to come to realize that, you know, we do not have a monopoly on God and there are other avenues for other people. But for me, for this overeater, uh, anorexic, this is where the solution lies in in the, you know, first 164 pages. And I'm just so grateful to be uh, reading it and starting at the beginning. And it's just a a fabulous journey. And and I'm so grateful that I'm on it. And thank you all for joining me. And um, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. I'm going to try Rakefit again. Are you available? Yes, I'm, I'm here with that. Thank you. I hope that's how you difficulties. Hi, my name is Rakefit Z. I'm a recovered compulsive for Eater from California. And what I appreciate so much about these, this story and these paragraphs in particular is that it became, and he just shared his experience. He didn't tell Bill what he has to do. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. No, he just ex- shared his experience, what worked for him. And that's the only thing that ever worked for me is when another recovered from possible over a year told me exactly what they did that worked for them. That is how I recovered, by following what another recovered compulsive overeater did. And my whole life, my whole life from the time I was a little kid, people have been telling me how to lose weight. Everybody, my family, my friends, doctors, everybody told me how to lose weight. And they weren't even compulsive overeaters. They had no idea what it was like. They had no idea that this was a disease that I just couldn't snap my fingers and lose weight. Otherwise, I would. Nobody wants to be fat. Nobody wants to be teased. You know, no, I never wanted to be a fattest kid in all my classes. No. So, um, and people will call me and tell me, oh, you have to try this. This is what you have to do now. I heard about a new diet that works, and this is what you have to do. People telling me what to do that have no idea. But... I wanted to follow, I wanted to emulate the people on this line that recovered because their story was the same as mine. And if it worked for them, hopefully it would work for me. And I don't tell my sponsors what they have to do. 
I share my experience with them. And when they tell me, I can't stop eating, I can't stop eating, I'm doing everything. And I'll ask them, are you really doing everything? Are you really, really doing everything? Ask God if you're doing everything. Ask God if there's more that he wants you to do. And that worked for me. I had to keep doing more and more and more. I thought I was doing everything and not getting recovered. But I had to do everything, everything, give up everything and turn to God. And that's what helped me. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rekhafet Z. Why don't we move on to the next paragraph at the top of page 10. He talked for hours, and that would be um, Lynn S., if you're available. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that proffered temperance pledge I never signed, my grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings, his insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen, his fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died, these recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. When I read this paragraph before, it really didn't do anything for me. I thought, well, that's nice. But today, when I was looking at it this morning, I really got it. Here's Bill now remembering these childhood memories of preachers, of someone speaking to him, his grandfather's comments on it. But it's making a difference now. He's not speaking of it with contempt or with disgust or those silly religious people. It's breaking through. He's cracking open. He's hopeless, and it's starting to reach him. And it reminded me of when I came into program. It's like, I can't stand this God stuff. I can't stand this God stuff. And then all of a sudden, it broke through. And what, oh, I can remember one of the biggest prayers I ever had for somebody when I saw a car accident or saw anything after I came into program or somebody was struggling. It was, God, please let them open their hearts and let you in because that's what changed my life. And here it's starting with Bill now. And it's just really exciting. Here we go. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linus. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Mara. Melissa Singh. Okay, so I'm writing away, and here's what I have so far. And maybe you could say yes if I got it right. Martha, was it Z? No, D. D. And Renata? Yes. And Melissa C., I believe? Yeah, correct. And then Gail, I didn't catch your initial. K is in Tom. Okay, who did I miss? Larry. I heard Larry, and then was it Amy? Amy E, that's right. Amy E, okay. Did I miss anyone else who spoke up already? Vasa O. Vasa O. Monica. Monica. T. Okay. Sorry. Okay, Monica T. Got it. 
Okay, let's go with that, if I have it correctly. Martha D. Renata, I'm sorry, I forget your initial. Melissa C. Gail T. Larry, and your initial. Amy E. Vasa O. Monica T. If we have time. Martha D., you're next. Can you hear me? Yes, I do hear you, Martha. Okay, good morning, visionaries. Thank you for your service. Um, After reading that paragraph, it reminds me of uh, giving service, step 12. We're in the 12th month. And it makes me think when I hear different speakers, how it brings back the memories from my childhood um, and how each speaker will hit each person in the room differently. I feel this morning phone meeting is definitely like a speaker's meeting, and it gives me so much joy to listen to all of you share your experience, strength, and hope. But when I go to my uh, face-to-face meetings, some speakers I do not connect with. Other ones I connect with Bill bringing up his past in church when Abby was talking, and that's how I connected with my sponsor. I went through two sponsors that really tried to help me in the worst way, but I could not relate and it just wasn't working. So then I heard someone that totally I connected with. Luckily, she did take me on, and now it's been seven months, and I've been abstinent ever since uh, she accepted me. So that's why it's so important for us to have sponsors speaking and uh, sharing their strength, experience, strength, and hope. And uh, thank you all for being here. It's just so important to me to listen to this daily and uh, start my day out focusing, and God has led me here. I appreciate all you being here. Thank you, and have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Martha D. Renata, sorry, I forgot your last initial. That's okay. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. Good morning, family. Um you know, I want to focus on they made me swallow hard. And, um, you know, there were, like what I see here, Bill, and we're going to see throughout the page, is that, you know, he becomes open-minded, closed-minded, open-minded, closed-minded. But, you know, for me, um, and what I see here, like he has some, you know, old ideas, some older stuff that is coming up for him. And, uh, I had my old ideas, too. I had the things uh, that I was trying to hang on when I came to this program. And, you know, like when I when I heard about entire abstinence and working the steps as if, if my life depended on it, you know, that made me swallow hard. It was not pretty to face that. But then, you know, like we saw on the, on the previous paragraph, he said, you know, he was hopeless. I was hopeless. I had to be hopeless. I had to be completely out of ideas. I had to be convinced that whatever I tried did not work. And, um, you know, also, you know, on the previous paragraph when he says I was shocked, but was interested, you know, when I came to this program, I thought that the best that could happen to me would be to be able to stay abstinent, you know, white knuckling it every day and 
leaning on on a fellowship and really, really fighting it every day, but at least keep my weight down. I thought that was a success. And then when I started hearing the recovered people on the line talking about complete freedom, you know, having a life of usefulness and, and joy and, you know, uh, being helpful to other people and feeling content, I, you know, I was shocked. That was too good to be true. Would that be possible? Would that happen for me? You know, and then when they presented me with what they did to get there, you know, then it was hard to swallow, you know, to really be convinced that I needed to be entirely abstinent and work the steps as if my life depended on it. But, you know, it worked. It works. It's just like it happens here in the big book. You know, the examples keep keep um, repeating themselves. And uh, that's all I want to share this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Renata G. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. A recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I... So, like, Bill is kind of going through his mind of um, I'm kind of hearing all the reasons maybe why not to believe. You know, his his grandfather had um, kind of put down the idea of listening to the preacher. Um, you know, the, the, there was talk about um, a promise of, of temperance, of, um, you know, so that and that was something he never signed on for. And, you know, and so when I first... Um, came and was really, you know, hungry for, for a change in my life, I I really resented the God talk. It was so difficult for me to um, lay aside my own prejudices I had about God. You know, I would go back to my mind of, um, you know, religious um, family members who were bigots, you know, or neighbors around me who were, you know, God-loving, but weren't very neighborly like and so you know those were the examples that I would constantly focus on for my um, proof and reassurance that there was no God or God wasn't um, able to fix this you know and then I had my own history of loss and pain and I felt God failed me and so you know the, the, the even the word God made me bristle for a long time and but I was hopeless and so I, I knew that, because um, I could hear it here, that something powerful was happening and people were getting covered. And, um, and they were doing and believing in something. And so I was willing because I was just that hopeless. And, you know, and then as I read on in the big book, there were so, and there are so many beautiful words that, um, that we can use in place of God if God makes us uncomfortable. You know, spirit of the universe, sunlight of the spirit, and that, you know, um, that it was all I had to do was be a little bit willing to lay aside, um, you know, some of my intellectual notions, that icy intellectual mountain, and just um, believe a little bit, and that God did make too hard, you know, the terms for those who seek him. And so, and that for me was just the, the, how it began to open up, how I was cracked open, um, and it's through being hopeless, um, you know, and hearing people tell their stories, 
of how they were recovered. And, um, you know, and so if God makes you uncomfortable, um, what we have to do is find a definition um, that can be useful for us. You know, thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Gail T., you're next. Thank you. This is Gail T. in Texas. Can you hear me okay? Yes, Gail. Okay. I'd like to go back to how, well, the importance of friendship or the magical design, how things happen, which I have a dog that intercepted me here. Um, the magical design that happened here that Abby called Bill. Bill was very excited to see him. Abby comes looking starry-eyed, and Bill Bill is perceptive enough and not drunk that much to miss that. And then he's going to allow his friend to rant. So he didn't kick Abby out. And then Abby starts talking. And then Abby starts it isn't what, when Abby is the expression of his experience, Abby is what he is talking about. He's not talking about something that he is not. That's what's really important. And I think that's what's really, when they say attraction, not promotion, because we become what we talk about. And Bill was able to get that by osmosis. So just, and, and then... Abby knows Bill so well. So Bill is, there's this friendship there, and there's this friendship that they can trust one another. And Abby is saying something from the depth of his heart and from his experience. And then they go into childhood memories. And I know because I work with children sometimes, and children are really quite spiritual. They don't really have us the men yet. And so children have their own spiritual experiences, and then they go to churches, and they're, and they're made to hate. And this is what Bill didn't want to do. He didn't want to hate others. He wanted to have a spiritual experience as a child, but he couldn't find that. And then Bill, um, Eddie comes in, and he's speaking of a spiritual experience that he had that anyone can have. And I think that, and then... The change of events is, is that Bill is no longer allow, thinking that he's going to allow Abby to rant and rave, but has become involved with Abby's uh, experience and resolution. And then blankly and bluntly says that he is hopeless, which is such a change of events. And that is so incredible that we should remember that when we, when I'm thinking about I don't know if I'm taking too much time, but there are people in my friendship circles that are overeaters, and I don't know how to approach them. And what I'm realizing now, it really depends a lot about relationship and how I go about it. So if I'm trying to convince them about something, I'm in the wrong dimension of talking about the, the steps. I have to be in my... And I think that's what Abby is being across right now. And I pass, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Gail T. Larry, you're next. 
Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service, Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, so for me, you know, it, it appears like, uh, you know, that perhaps Bill is, uh, is becoming, uh, he's having a teachable moment, you know, where that window of, of contempt and scorn for the existence of a higher power, you know, began to come down a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's reflecting back. And this is the essence of step two. You know, I mean, what if, you know, just like Bill, you know, you and I caught between a rock and a hard place here, you know, what, just what if we drop the rock of pride and ego and intellect for just a moment and consider the possibility that there may be a force outside of ourselves that might just uh, release us from this prison. And you see, you know, my arrogance, my arrogance of intellect as a man, you know, was, was keeping me locked up in that self-imposed jail. And, and that key to unlock it, it was right under my nose, I think. But, but I couldn't see it because it was camouflaged by pride. And I heard a, an acronym for the word pride. Um, sometimes these acronyms help, sometimes they don't. But this one did. Pride, personal recovery involves deflating ego. And I like that because this is a, a program of ego deflation. You know, my ego is deflated. I remember years ago in my office, there was a guy who came to see me uh, camouflaged as a person who was having his own troubles. And, and uh, I can't remember his name. But I, I know it wasn't Abby, uh, but, but I don't know what his name was. But you see, my higher power has a sense of humor because all the while that I thought this man showed up, up at my office, you know, to, to receive my help, actually looking back, perhaps, uh, you know, he was sent to help me. And I, little did I know that his description of how his life was, was transformed, you know, uh, by these 12 steps would become a catalyst, a teachable moment for me to consider, you know, the same thing. And, and as with Ebby, you know, it's, I mean, finite beings who thirst for the infinite, you know, I'm like a, I was always like a desperate creature who wanted to be God. You know, all or nothing, you know, people who, who grow, go broke on perfection. And that was my issue. Thank God for this program that it's uh, deflated, deflated my, my ego a bit. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Amy E. Amy E. Can you unmute your phone? Hi, it's uh, Amy E., uh, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northwest Ohio. Um, I'm unavailable to share right now. I pass. Thank you. Okay, Amy E. Vasa O. Are you available, Vasa? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just waiting for you to call me. I was muting and unmuting. Can you hear Beautiful. me, Rebecca? Yes, Vasa, go right okay. ahead. Yes, good morning, everyone. And thank you for your service, Rebecca. And I'm Vasa Recover Compulsive Reader, calling from uh, Florida. And uh, again, like uh, Abby shared his experience with Bill. And uh, I have my own Abby <laughs> that uh, shared her experience with me, and I was shocked to hear what she had to say. And it is a program of attraction, not promotion. And I liked 
what she had, and she won my confidence. She really did. When it came to the food, I I had the gift of desperation, but I didn't think it was a gift at that time. It was a torture uh, to give up the certain foods. Um, but um, I was uh, I I was scared to death. I the food was just going to kill me if I didn't uh, surrender to God to the program, the twelve steps. I don't know what it would be today. Um, I had been in, in step one for a long, long time, trying to figure out how to put the food and how powerless I was over it, you know. I could not control it anymore. I, there was no more power left, and I gave in to the food. And food. I couldn't do it anymore. I remember saying I tried everything I could. It's not working anymore. Might as well just give in to the food, and it was going to kill me. So I was really scared. Um, and I had the gift of desperation, you know. And um, again, I'm just so grateful that God led me in, God put that person in my life and led me into Overeaters Anonymous. And I did come for the physical first. I just wanted to get thin, and I was going to lose the weight, and I was going to leave, you know. But I thank God I kept on staying. And I've been in this program for many, many years, and I'm still in it. And I, it's, just the, it's not just the food. It's the peace and the joy. It's living life today without the food, you know, how to live life with the food, without the food. Of course, thank God I can have some food, you know, uh, during the day, you know, especially in America. But anyways, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Monica T. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Bill's story, and he's looking back, and he's telling his story to us. And and his good old drinking buddy, old school friend, he's known for years, shows up and says, Hi, Bill. I'm sober, and I've got religion. And uh, I don't know about you, but I made the old hair stand up on my neck when I hear somebody say, oh, I got religion. But, but what's happening here? You know, Bill, we've in the, we've, he's, he's admitted he's powerless. The alcohol is his, ma- his master. You know, nothing Bill has done has worked. And here comes Ebby, and something has worked in Ebby. And he knows it, he, you know, he knows it very clearly. And there's no doubt in his mind, something has worked. Some power greater than Ebby has worked. And um, so Ebby says, I got religion. So Bill goes, oh my goodness, you know, the hairs stand up. And so here in this paragraph and in the next couple of pages, we're going to see Bill's process of, of step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And this is his thinking and his, and his working through this process of opening his eyes to where he's been. So here he's talking about his grandfather. His folks uh, divorced when he was young and he was raised by his grandfather. And he's thinking about this. And his grandfather didn't care for them religious people. He didn't want people telling him what to do. I can understand that. I didn't either. But his grandfather did believe in something. He did believe in God. So he's thinking about all of this. And he's realizing, you know, my way hasn't worked. 
And he's also realizing his spiritual life had not been developed. You know, he stopped at this point. But, you know, his way hasn't worked. He's been using liquor for his solution. And Abby walks in and says, I got a solution for you here, Bill. It's called religion. So he's got to work his way through this process, and that's what he's doing here. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Monica T. Um, would anyone else like to share? We probably have time for one more share. Cheryl R. I didn't catch your name. Cheryl R. from Virginia. Cheryl R. Go right ahead, Cheryl. Thanks. Um, thank you for everybody that's gone forth. Um, yes, and, and the thing that I think is so amazing about this, that when Bill is so rebellious, um, to me, I, I, I get it, because my mother used to tell me when I was kids that, Cheryl, they can't tell you anything. And the thing is, it's interesting on this thing of when um, a Bill eventually opens his eyes to spiritual matters, you know, uh, saying that, you know, well, does church um, or does religion spread hate or whatever. I found that when I went back, people said the exact same things after program. I heard it differently. And that's the thing. I think it's the thing about when you're ready, you're ready. And and so much of that is because, Ebby, uh, you know, there was something different. There was something different in his eyes and his calm manner. And that's why it is the attraction, not promotion. Um, just last night I had that experience where somebody said, gee, you've lost weight. But not only that, that I was calmer. And that's the thing. And, and you know, everybody has different experiences. Yes, the weight could be going, but it was finally when I was miserable uh, mentally in the fear and um you know i've been in this program many many years but but you know i've been amazed how the you know the peeling of the onion has um has worked so it, it's just so interesting when we're ready to see it and the thing is you know bill wasn't quite ready but certainly ebby's demeanor and how he carried the message made him open and maybe hear things differently wasn't the other stuff that was so bad perhaps it was how he heard it so anyway thank you for letting me share and i pass thank you cheryl R. with one minute to go i'm just going to take a quick turn this is rebecca f from connecticut and i know ebby uses the term religion but you know ebby is not a founder of AA, and I know now that there is a difference between religion and spirituality, and we'll we'll find out that Bill isn't necessarily against spirituality, it's religion that he has a problem with, and thank goodness this program, including, you know, we'll hear Ebby say, choose your own conception of God, um, allows us to um, move forward in this program even when we have certain prejudices because it's not that easy to just give up our prejudiced beliefs. But slowly but surely, um, when we're desperate enough, we're willing to try anything. I mean, when you think of all the things we've tried that seem absurd in the way of diets and um brain-changing ways of um, 
controlling our food, why not try this too? Even if we have some prejudices about a belief in God or religion, and um, lo and behold, we get we get what the people before us got, and we get recovered, and we find our own version of a higher power along the way. And so with that, I'll pass. And um, I want to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sarah W. has graciously offered to fill in at the last minute to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sarah W.? Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. My pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.